Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Let's pray. We're carrying on in the Judges series, and I'm going to talk about Gideon this morning. Lord, would you, uh, would you come? God, we know that you inhabit our praises. We uh, pray, too, that you would inhabit your word this morning as I speak. Yes, Lord, would you come? Amen. Okay, so Judges week four, Gideon. We are in chapters six and seven. Uh, it's a huge long passage, actually. I'm not going to read it all. You'll be glad to know. I'm going to just pick out little bits to focus on. Uh, you can see on the slide the points that I'm going to cover, I think. There we go. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you were here last week, you will have heard Joe talking about Deborah. And so Gideon comes after Deborah. Deborah's done her thing. We've had 40 years of peace. But here in Judges 6, we find the Israelites again in a complete state of turmoil. So Judges chapter 6, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. And if you've ever seen a swarm of locusts, there are millions of them. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. And so we see this familiar cycle that we've been seeing each week that we've been looking at the book of Judges, where Israel commits some sin, God allows Israel to be oppressed, Um, Israel then repents, cries out to God, God sends a judge to redeem them, and Israel is faithful for a bit of time while that judge is leading, and then they commit sin again, and the whole cycle goes on and on. But I don't know if it's dawned on you during the time that we've been preaching about this, but that book that that cycle that we see in the book of Judges can also be in us. How many times have we found ourselves in a tight spot and we've prayed a prayer which sounds something like, God, if you'll just answer this prayer, I'll do anything you ask. Just please help me and get me out of this spot. And we see that in Judges 6 and verse 6. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. As I've been thinking about this, uh, I it dawned on me that there is a big difference between regret and repentance. Sometimes we call out to God for help, but if we're honest, it's because of regret. We don't like the consequences of our choices, and actually we just want God to fix it. That's regret. Repentance is owning the things that we've done wrong and being genuinely sorry about how our choices have affected our relationship with God. So in this passage, does the nation of Israel repent? I don't think so. I think actually they just don't really like the consequences of what they've done. Because we see this cycle carries on in the years to come. But let's pick up at verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you, and I gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. 
but you have not listened to me. Their hearts have drifted again. They've disobeyed God. They've not listened to him again. And yet God, in his kindness, gave them another leader, Gideon, our reluctant leader. It says this in verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I think it's really interesting that um, Gideon is hiding in a winepress. I think we should have a picture of a, there we go, there's a wine press. A wine press is basically a hole in the ground where they used to stamp the, grape, the grapes to make wine. But Gideon is threshing wheat in there because he thinks that he can hide from the Midianites. He is virtually invisible down there. Talk about keeping a low profile. But look, you can't hide from God. And Gideon was just about to find out. Because the messenger of the Lord comes to Gideon. The Lord's with you, mighty warrior. And look what Gideon said. Pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord just responds and says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And then Gideon says again, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Pardon me, my Lord. I think that's code for saying, no, 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 you've got the wrong guy. It's not me. It's not me. And essentially he's saying, why me? Why are you asking me? I'm scared. I'm hiding. Like I'm under the ground. You're not supposed to find me. There are lots of things that we can take from this story of Gideon. And first of all, I want to talk about don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. God had a purpose for Gideon in the same way that he has a purpose for each of us. But there are so many things that can distract us from that purpose. Fear, as it was in the case of Gideon, false humility, insecurity, compromise. But in this story, we're going to see how Gideon actually faced his fears and fulfilled his purpose. God's purposes are found in the big and in the small. Great opportunities, huge things might come once or twice in a lifetime. But small opportunities for us to fulfill God's purposes present themselves to us every day. It reminds me of Ephesians 2 and verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You might find that hard to believe, but none of us are here by accident. You know, we sang it earlier. I am a child of God. You chose me from my mother's womb. God wanted every one of us alive and he planned us and he created us for a purpose. And as we were worshipping and, and singing that song, I just had a real sense that there might be one or possibly two people here this morning. And you found that really hard to sing. You found it hard to believe that you were created for a purpose because actually you've lived all of your life thinking I was an accident. Actually, I wasn't meant to, to be here for whatever reason. And if that's you, I just feel like the Lord really wants to speak to you and minister to you today. Rick Warren said this, focusing on yourself will never reveal your real purpose. You were made by God and for God 
And until you understand that, life will never make sense. Only in God do we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. So my identity answers my insecurity, because actually we all have fears. Let's be honest, we're all anxious about things. We all have fears about stepping out to do the things that God's called us to do. But our identity, who we are in Christ, is the answer to that insecurity. So in verse 12 of our passage, God says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's response in verse 15, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family, shows how insecure he was. But it starts with agreeing with God. I am who you say I am. God said Gideon was a mighty warrior. God sees things differently to us. Gideon was in fear. He, his clan was the weakest. He was the least in his family. And he had to make a real choice to live from God's perspective. I love the song, Who You Say I Am. It says, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Sometimes we need to make godly confessions. Now, to confess literally means to speak the same thing or to agree with. So in other words, we speak words that agree with God. So we can confess that we have faith in Jesus, or we can confess our sins, or we can confess the truth of God's word. Now, we need to know God's word in order to be able to agree with it. So it's a really good practice to start to memorize bits of scripture that speak about your identity in Jesus. So Gideon had to come to the point where he could say, do you know, actually, I'm going to choose to believe that God is with me and that I am a mighty warrior. Point number two, go in the strength you had. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now, I can imagine Gideon going, well, I haven't got any strength. Like, why are you choosing me anyway? I've got zero strength. I'm the smallest and the weakest and the least. But God can work with the little that we have. Don't wait till you feel ready. Because actually, we'll never feel ready to serve God. John Wimber, who was the founder of our movement of churches, said, that, said this, you get the anointing as you do the job. Andrew and I have seen people waste years waiting to feel more qualified, more godly, more anointed, more capable before they step into the things that God has for them. Literally, we grow as we go. Go in the strength you have. That's the same whether we're praying for the sick, sharing our faith, serving others, or maybe leading a group. I honestly don't think that we ever feel ready or fully qualified. And sometimes we have to take a leap of faith and try and see what God will do. So many times in the history of Andrew and I leading this church, we felt like God has been challenging us to do something or take a step. And we've just thought, oh my word, I don't think we've got what it takes. But when you start, when you step out, when you take a step, when you try, God backs up what he's calling you to do. All we have to do is give it our best shot. And he does the rest. Thirdly, you might not be confident, but you can be at peace. So in Judges 6 and 17 to 22, Gideon asks God for a sign. And he prepares a meal. And then God literally decides to barbecue it with fire from the rock. And it freaks out Gideon. And we pick it up at verse 22. 
When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. Now, confidence sounds like, I've got this, I can handle it, we're okay. Peace sounds like, God's got me. And Gideon needed constant reassurance that God really was with him, that God really did have him. He was wobbly. His faith was weak. Three times he asked God for a sign, like, give me a sign that it really is you talking to me. Asking God for signs probably isn't really how we should go about making decisions. But Gideon was wanting to understand the nature of God. His request was, God, show me who you are. Speak to me again. Give me a sign because I want my strength I want my faith to be strengthened. And through those questions, he gets a glimpse into who God is. He gets an understanding that God is peace. And God will give you that understanding too, if you ask him. So don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. Secondly, don't let your past determine your future. There are three lessons for us here. Firstly, sometimes we need to break with wrong traditions. Let's look in verse 25. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. So God was asking Gideon to undo all the wrong traditions that had grown up in the families to reestablish worship of the true God in Israel. Now, in reality, the Israelites, even Gideon's family, haven't really abandoned the worship of God completely for idols, but they've kind of combined the worship of God with idols. And God caused Gideon to demolish this altar to Baal that they've built and to reestablish an altar to God. So for Gideon, God is saying compromise might be in your family or in your family history, but it is not meant for your future. The compromises that they'd made were like spiritual strongholds that had to be torn down. It reminded me as I was preparing of the New Testament language in 2 Corinthians, where it says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets, it up, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We all face moments in our lives where we find that we need to reflect deeply on our own failings or on failings in our backgrounds or our families. Some of the qualities or values or practices might be great, but some of the mindsets that we, we inherit sometimes represent compromise or brokenness or dysfunction. And we need to take those and make them obedient to Christ. So I'm talking about things from your family of origin like the attitude to money or ways that you might resolve conflict or the ways that we deal with anger or disappointment about things. You might have really good ways to do all those things, or you might have inherited from your family some things which actually aren't that helpful. We need to bring those to Jesus. We need to ask him to speak to us about how we can do life better to demolish some of the strongholds, and we all have them. You might be saying, well, how do I do that? Well, talk to Jesus about it. Have a conversation with him. Book a sozo appointment. Ask somebody to pray with you about something that God shows you. 
Gideon needed to display courage to do this bit. He was afraid of his family and the townspeople, so he actually carried out God's instructions in the darkness of night where nobody could see. When the people discovered that Gideon had destroyed all of their altars when they woke up in the morning, they demanded his death. Gideon's father, Joash, defended him, and he said, look, if Baal was really a god, he could properly defend himself. So remember that phrase from earlier, go in the strength you have. I think that's what Gideon was doing. The strength that he had, like all he could muster was, I'm going to do it at night so nobody could see me. But as he goes, God is at work. So here's the principle. Little steps of obedience that we can take can be a tipping point to a bigger work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've seen this so many times. When you confess something, when you bring something into the light, when you get help, dealing with an issue or an area of compromise, when we say yes in the small things, when we respond to the prompting of God in our conscience or the leading of the Holy Spirit, God opens up amazing things. And all kinds of things happen that you might not have been expecting from your first little step of obedience. So we need to learn to say yes in the small things. Listen to those little God nudges in our hearts when we pray or something that you might wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh, I should buy flowers for that person. Or if we are in worship and a little nudge happens or in the middle of a talk, God might be saying, apologize to your flatmate. Send a gift to that person. Pop a text through to that new person that you just met. Buy that homeless guy some lunch. Share this word or that word. We're meant to get used to responding to God in our small steps of obedience, listening to his whisper. And every prompting of the Holy Spirit in our conscience is God's way of leading us. We're meant to be led daily, walking in God's purpose, one simple step at a time. So let's head back to our story. And in in verse 33, it says this, Now all the Midianites, the Malachites and other eastern people, joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Same old story. The guys are hiding again. They're hiding in caves. They're retreating. They're running away. But then what happens? The spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. And he sent messages throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms and also to Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali. So they too went up to meet him. So Gideon has blown a trumpet. He summoned all the Israelites to gather under his leadership. But look, he's still anxious. He's still doubting his calling. He's still seeking confirmation from God. So he devised a plan. He said, I know what I'll do. I will, I will put out a fleece at night. I'll put it on the ground and I'll say, God, would you make my fleece wet with dew, but keep the surrounding ground dry? Then I'll know it's you. Then I'll know I've got to go and take the land. And God granted his request. But Gideon still wanted more confirmation. He still wasn't settled. So he asked God to reverse the miracle, make the fleece dry and make the surrounding ground wet. And once again, God, in his gracious way, honoured Gideon's request. Gideon, don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. Don't let your past determine your future. Go and do something you've never done before. Step up and stand up and lead others and blow the trumpet. Rally your friends and family. This was not natural for Gideon. He's the guy that's hiding in the wine press, remember. Sometimes we have to break with the expectations that our families put on us. We have to do something different. In his, pur- in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren said, we are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. 
And sometimes moments come when our commitment to God can no longer remain hidden. There comes a time when we simply have to make a stand. And this was it for Gideon. Your faith might put you at odds with family expectations, or you might find pressure from colleagues or friends. I want you to see this. Gideon breaks with his normal temperament. He's normally a keep your head down, keep a low profile kind of guy who's hiding, obeying at night because he fears confrontation. But that's what the enemy wants for us. He wants to keep us down. Sometimes we have to put our head up and stand up. That might be at odds with your temperament. You might say, well, actually, I'm an introvert and I just want to stay quiet. That might not be what God wants for you. It might be something new. And that is a great sign that the Holy Spirit's at work. God's gifts are given for the common good, not just for us. He asks us to step up for the sake of others. The purpose of God, actually, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's expressed through us to other people. So serving or leading Stand up and speak for the sake of others, like George did in the story that we, sh- we shared last week. Could be at work, could be in church, in your community. Could be about sharing your faith, opening your home, leading a small group, joining a team. We go in the strength that we have, and we get the anointing as we do the job. And in the middle of these little steps of obedience, tearing down the altar to Baal, building a new altar to God, the Spirit of God comes on Gideon. He blows a trumpet. That's going to draw attention to himself, for starters. He calls all the family to follow him, and then he sends messengers throughout Manasseh. Come on, we're doing this together. He's not letting his temperament or his history set the agenda. There's a lesson for us all here. I know lots of introverts who've been called to lead churches. Honestly, it would have been the last thing they had chosen. And the language in this little bit is absolutely beautiful. In uh, Judges 6 and verse 34, it says, So the Spirit of the Lord covered Gideon like clothing, and he blew a trumpet, and the Abiezrites were called together to follow him. In some translations, it says the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. I just think it means God gave him supernatural power. He covered him literally like a cloak with courage and insight. God's Spirit literally enveloped and covered him. So don't let the odds stop you obeying. In Judges chapter 7, we get to possibly the strangest part of the story where God literally changes the odds. So with newfound confidence, Gideon has blown his trumpet. He's assembled an army of 32,000 men to face the Midianites. And then God says to him, "Uh -uh, your army's too big. I want you to reduce the size of your army. So first of all, Gideon has to let all those who are afraid leave. And 22,000 of his men decided to go. And God decided that the remaining 10,000 were still too many. And so with going through a series of tests, Gideon was left with only 300 men. It makes me think of that line in those films, The Hunger Games, uh, may the odds be ever in your favor. Well, these odds are clearly not in Gideon's favor. He is like one pawn on a chessboard against a massive, massive army, certainly outnumbered. But, you know, it's not about our own strength. In Judges 7 and verses 2 to 3, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. God didn't want the Israelites to think that they did it on their own or in their own strength. He wanted them to understand their dependence on him, how much they needed him. And that is the same for us too. Actually, we can't do anything without God. 
Secondly, obedience can be counterintuitive. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever on the eve of a big battle to reduce your army and have less of a chance of winning. But sometimes obedience to what God is calling us to do is counterintuitive. It's like taking God's command to rest seriously. If I rest one day in seven, if I don't work, I shut my laptop, put God first, then I get more done with the other six days in the week. I have to remind myself, God, when I'm resting, you're working and I'm following your command to take Sabbath seriously. It's the same with giving the first portion of our money to him. God first living is counterintuitive. God first with our time, he blesses the rest. God first in our finances, he blesses the rest. And thirdly, strength is made perfect in weakness. In Joshua 7 and verse 9, it says, During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. So with not very many men and not very much in the way of weapons, just some trumpets and some torches and some clay jars, Gideon and his little band of warriors approached the Midianite camp at night. And at Gideon's signal, they blew their trumpets, they smashed their jars and they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And the Midianites were completely caught off guard. They got confused by the noise and the sight of the torches and they turned around and they killed each other. In panic, Gideon and his men pursued them, they defeated them, and finally freed the Israelites from oppression. And there followed another 40 years of peace. The verses come to mind. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. It's a theme throughout the Bible, but it's just beautifully demonstrated here in Gideon. And Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So to conclude, we have Gideon, the story of an unlikely hero, a hesitant, reluctant and fearful man, full of doubt. We might, that might resonate with us, but chosen by God to deliver the Israelites. Through obedience and faith and relying on God's guidance, he overcame his doubt. He led this tiny band of warriors to victory. It's just a wonderful lesson that God can achieve great things through a few faithful people if we trust in God's power and faithfully follow his calling. So let me just recap. Don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. Your identity answers your insecurity. Go in the strength you have, and you might not feel confident, but you can be at peace. Secondly, don't let your past determine your future. Break with wrong traditions from the past, display courage, not compromise, and break with expectations. And then don't let the odds stop you obeying. It's not about our strength. Obedience can be counterintuitive and strength is made perfect in our weakness. There's lots in that story, but I think God wants to minister to us and speak to us personally. He wants to apply some of those things to, to our hearts. So can I encourage you to stand? And um, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. As I was preparing, there were just a couple of things that I felt specifically that the Lord wanted to do. One was um, that thing about you, you might not feel confident, but you can feel God's peace. I just sense that there might be some people here who actually just don't really feel very peaceful on the inside. You, you, don't, you just don't have that sense of settledness in your spirit. And God wants to help you to understand and feel and sense his peace. There's also that thing about um, you didn't feel chosen by God. You didn't feel 
that he chose you. That's one other thing. And then the, the third thing is I feel like for some people, the Lord might be nudging you. You don't feel very strong, but he's calling you to step up for the sake of others. He's calling you to step up to lead something or to speak about him or to, to lead a small group or to, to step into something that you've not done before. So we'd love to pray for you if any of those things or anything else um, really lands with you. So let's just pray. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.